For the topic this week, out of Genesis 21, Abraham, peace at Beersheba. So in verse 22, Abimelech and Fechol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring or with my posterity, but that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have dwelt. So get a little background of this. These two characters have met before, Abraham and Abimelech, um, about a chapter before this, or actually a chapter before this, in chapter 20. And Abraham lied to Abimelech uh, that Sarah was his sister, or somewhat of a lie. Um, and then even after Abimelech takes Sarah to, to, as his wife, or one of his wives, Abraham doesn't speak up, still doesn't say anything, doesn't still... Uh, come forth and, and reveal that, yes, he's a sister, but also a wife, and, uh, and then God does something to Abimelech and his family that uh, they're not able to have relations and not able to meet with Sarah and uh, some kind of plague or something, and, uh, and then uh, it's revealed, God reveals to Abimelech in a dream uh, that Sarah is actually Abraham's wife, and so he comes and rebukes Abraham and ends up sending Abraham and Sarah away with gifts. And so now here in this chapter, uh, Isaac has been born. Isaac is now you know, maybe three years old, or at least three years old and over. Um, and so now Abimelech comes with his commander of his army this time uh, to meet with Abraham. And he wants now an assurance from Abraham that he's not gonna lie again to him, that he's not gonna lie, that he's not gonna deal falsely with him, or even down to his posterity that there won't be. And so you will not deal falsely with me. So he comes basically and, and uh, rebuking Abraham again, and, and this time wanting a commitment from him uh, that he will not do that again to him. And he says, swear to me uh, that God is with you. Acknowledges that God is with him. God's been blessing Abraham, and so he acknowledges that. God spoke to Abimelech in a dream, told him that Abraham's a prophet, and don't do anything to his wife Sarah. And so he knows that God's with him, and he sees how God has been blessing him. And so he acknowledges that God is with you in all that you do, uh, but don't deal falsely. Swear to me by God that you won't falsely deal with me again. And then it reminds him, according to the kindness that I have done to you, right? I'm the one, even though you lied to me, I sent you away with gifts. I sent you away with, with uh, some more flocks and herds and, uh, and blessed you. And so do so to me as well. And so how does Abraham reply to this uh, request? Abraham said, I will swear. Now what did we learn on Friday? What is that? Right, so what is that? The flesh, right. I will do it, I promise you, I will swear, I swear I won't lie again, right? And would have been better if Abraham said, well, by God's grace, I will not serve. And even Avimelech even set the stage for him, right? He said, Avimelech said, God is with you in all that you do, and swear to me by God. Right? He didn't say just swear to me by yourself. Uh, he said, swear to me by God. And so Avimelech had a better understanding of the gospel here than Abraham did. 
And then Abraham saying, well, you know, in my own flesh, I can do nothing. Like Daniel said before, uh, before uh, Nebuchadnezzar, I can't interpret the dream. But God in heaven, he's the one who gives interpretation of dreams. Uh, instead of Abraham saying something like that, uh, he says, oh, yeah, no, I swear. I promise. I promise. Right? So we have uh, Peter there again. I will not deny you even if everyone else denies you. Uh, and uh, the Israelites at the base of Mount Sinai uh, making the old covenant, the old promise. Uh, whatever you say, we will do. We will do it. I swear. We swear. And so he's doing the same thing here. Uh, I swear. Without even bringing God into it. Even acknowledging that it is God who gives him the ability. That God would give him the ability to, to uh, not break his commandments. That God would give him the ability to not deal falsely with him but to love his neighbor as himself. And uh, where again, he could have done, as Avi Malik said him before, uh, that God will give me the ability by God's grace. I swear by God that he will hold me fast and he will give me the ability to do it. And then verse 25, Abraham rebuked Avi Malik because of a well of water which Avi Malik's servants had seized Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor had I heard of it until today. And so why does Abraham bring that up at this point? It's very human nature. It's very typical. When someone rebukes us, then we got to find some fault with them, right? You know, you see that a lot, right? Anyone's married, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? You find some fault, well, you did, but yeah, you did, and you did, or any, any relationships, work relationship or anything. Uh, there's, you know, when, when we get attacked, then we want to attack back. And so Abraham brings up this issue of this well, and Avi Malik responds, I don't even know about that. I didn't hear about this. I, you didn't tell me. Why didn't you tell me? We've had this, uh, you know, relationship together, neighbors here. Why didn't you mention this to me before? No one else has mentioned it to me. This is the first I've heard of it. Now, so far in this account, I would believe Avimelech, <laughs> that he really didn't know about it, that no one had told him. Who would tell him? Would his servants come and tell him? If Abraham's not going to come and tell him, how would he know? I said, why are you rebuking me about this? Why are you bringing this up? Why are you throwing this in my face? If this is such a big deal to you, why don't you come to me and just tell me? You know, I deal with it in some way, shape, or form. But I didn't, I didn't hear anything about this. I didn't know about this. And so, uh, so that might be why Abraham brings it up uh, at that point. Um, but it also might have been a good opportunity. Well, the guy's here now. And, uh, and so there's some lessons that we can learn here with Yom Kippur in both of these dealings. Now is the time, right, to go and bring up issues with other people. If we have wronged someone, now is the time to go and confess it, to make it right, and lay it before the Lord. As Yeshua said, if you're on your way to the temple and you remember that someone has something against you, not even that you have something against them, but they have something against you. He doesn't say whether they rightly have something against you or wrongly, but they just feel animosity towards you for some reason, go and make it right. Leave your gift, stop where you are, put your gift down, go and make it right with them. And then go at all, as much as is possible within you. They're not always going to want to agree, they're not always going to want to make peace, but as much as possible within you, go and make peace. And then go back, get your gift, 
and then go on to the temple um, before the Lord. And so Avimelech did that. He went and wanted to make sure that Abraham, that everything is clear before us now. We're good now. Can I give you gifts? I'm asking you to now be nice to me as I was nice to you. You won't swear to me. You won't uh, deal falsely with me. I won't deal falsely with you. Okay, we'll have this covenant together. We'll have this peace agreement together. And so Abraham wants to make sure everything's clean too. But what about this well? We're going to have peace, then everything, you got to leave my wells alone, and your servants got to leave my wells alone. And so he brings it up. And so now during this time, we still have these 24 hours, still within the 10 days of us, still before Yom Kippur. Uh, but if God reminds you three days from now of something else, then still go get it right. As long as you have breath, <laughs> then make it right. Before the Lord comes, before we die here on earth, before our time is closed off, go make it right with someone else. If someone has wronged you, right? So if you have wronged someone, certainly go and confess it, apologize, and do all in your power to make it right, to make amends. But if someone else has wronged you, you should let them know. Don't just sit there and stir over it and steam over it and hold on to a grudge and let it bother you. And every time you walk past that well and you remember how they filled it in and took it from you and, and uh, seized it, and how you lost out on that. And every time you see a car that reminds you of that person or, or, uh, or, or hear that name, it's the same name as that person, and brings up all those memories all over again, go and deal with them. Go and let them know that what they did was wrong. And that's what Abraham's doing here. Saying, your servants did something wrong. And I don't appreciate it. Now, you want a peace deal here? Well, then let's make peace. Let's get everything straight. And what's the best thing that you can say to someone to let them know that they did something wrong? Very good. I forgive you. Right? I said to you, I forgive you. You say, for what? <laughs> what did I do wrong that you need to forgive me for, right? That's very simple, right? Three words. I forgive you. I forgive you for what you did. It was wrong. And I don't want you to do it again. And I don't want you to do it to anyone else either. That's true forgiveness. That's biblical forgiveness. Now we look at forgiveness today in society and even in religious circles, is totally wrong. Totally wrong. We think forgiveness means, oh, it's okay. You know, often if someone accidentally bumps into you and they say, oh, I'm sorry, you say, oh, don't worry about it, right? And in that situation, <laughs> it is fine. But then we apply that to all types of forgiveness. And that's why people don't want to forgive other people. I don't want to say it's all right. It wasn't all right. Well, that's, you're exactly right. It wasn't right. And it's not all right. And that's why you should forgive. Right? We don't forgive good people, right? We don't forgive someone for giving you a gift. If someone gave you a gift, you don't say, oh, I forgive you. You don't forgive someone who does good. You forgive someone who did bad. So that's the whole purpose of forgiveness. It's to point out, or one of the purposes, is to point out that what they did was wrong. But also, at the same time, while it was wrong, I'm not going to get angry about it. I'm not going to lose my peace over it. I'm not going to let it stir in my heart and mind with bitterness and with revenge. 
I'm still going to expect that you pay it back. I'm still going to expect that I get my well back. Still going to expect that you fix the car, that you pay back for what the damage you did. If it was criminal, I expect you're going to go to jail. Police officers don't like to go to domestic abuse or religious thing where, where people do crimes to religious organizations because they show up, they risk their lives, and then the spouse goes, or the girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever says, oh yeah, okay, well thank you for saving me, but I'm not gonna press charges. I forgive them. Well, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness does press charges. It just doesn't get, doesn't overpress charges, right? In the world, in our carnal nature, when we don't forgive and we want to get even, we don't get even, we get back, right? You know, they, they said something mean, and so then we say something nasty, and then they throw something at us, a tomato, then we pick up a rock and throw that at them, they pick up a knife, they stab us, we pull out a gun, we shoot them, right? It escalates, it gets worse and worse, right? But the Bible says an eye for an eye, no more. Not two eyes for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, not two teeth for a tooth. Did I say that right? <laughs> Equal justice. And that's what forgiveness demands. Right? And God's forgiveness is the same way. So we got this perverted idea of forgiveness that God forgives us. Oh, well, he just forgives us and so I can continue in sin. He just forgives us and we just keep on living the way we are. He forgave us all. He paid it all. But that's not biblical. We pay a price as well. He demands the ultimate price of us. That we die in him. That we accept our death in him as well. That we are buried with him. And receive newness of life. And so as he forgives us, he cleanses us and changes us and transforms us. And that's biblical forgiveness. He doesn't just wave it off. He doesn't just throw away the law. He upholds the law. And there's a price that we pay as well in him. And then by his grace, by his power, we don't continue in it. And so thus he forgives us and he gives us the power to not continue in it. And so as we forgive others, we need to hold them accountable and not hold a grudge, not retaliate, but still demand justice and rightness. We even have in society debt forgiveness. Crazy thing, right? Absolute crazy thing. The, the bank uh, forgave my debt. Right? In that setting, it means you don't have to pay it back. Right? We even have Amazingly, government officials who want to just forgive everybody's debt. Well, not everybody's, but certain people's debts. They don't have to pay it back. <laughs> well, somebody's going to pay for it. The college institution's got to pay for it. Or taxpayers got to pay for it. Somebody's going to pay for it. Nothing's free. And even with the Lord, our salvation is not free. Yeshua died for our salvation. It's not free. He paid. And again, we pay. Got to give over the sins. Can't hold on to the sins. Can't keep the sins. Got to let go. Got to give them over to him. And so this crazy concept of forgiveness, of debt forgiveness, 
And the world probably gets it from religious people teaching that for way too long. And that's not biblical. And that's why people don't want to forgive other people. Because they don't want to say, oh, it's okay. They don't want to say, oh, go ahead, do it to me again. They don't want to say, oh, you don't have to pay it back. Now, but true forgiveness means it's wrong. And I want my well back. <laughs> but I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to bring an army against you. I'm not going to cause a war over this. I'm just going to demand justice. And that's what Abraham's doing here. And it's what he should have done before now, before Avimelech came to him. He should have gone and sought him out as soon as the well got taken, seized. He should have gone to Avimelech and said, hey, what's going on here? That's not right. Tell him to give it back. And so we, as God brings to our minds, any area that someone has wronged us, now is a good time to take it before the Lord, ask the Lord to give you true forgiveness, ask the Lord to give you peace about it, that he removes all self-involved in it, all desire to retaliate, all desire to hurt the other person, all desire to do it out of malice back to him, out of anger back, but to give you love for that person, a true love for that person that's willing to correct that person so that they can receive repentance, that they can receive forgiveness, so that they can be cleansed of the guilt on their record and to keep them from hurting others. True love does that. Why don't we more often go and tell people that we forgive them and correct them when they wronged us? Because of fear. Fear they'll reject it. Fear they'll say no. Fear they'll hurt us again. All self. It's all still self. But when we're in God and trusting in God, God can raise us up and we can then let them know that we have forgiven them. And another reason maybe because we haven't allowed God to give us true forgiveness towards them. And that's a miracle that comes from God. You cannot manifest that yourself, but God can give us the ability to forgive others. And then we can go to them and let them know we forgive them. What they did was wrong and we don't want them to do it again we're going to do all in our power by God's grace to keep them from doing it again to us or to others if necessary. That's biblical forgiveness. And that's really the theme of Yom Kippur. Experiencing God's cleansing, forgiveness. That we come in filthy and we leave white as snow. Cleansed, purified. And everything is made right. And so... Verse 27, Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Avimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. So they make a pact together. Everything's good. Everything's peace. And Abraham's giving to Avimelech. Even though Avimelech's servants were the ones who wronged him, Abraham's giving him the gift. Similarly, when Abraham wronged Avimelech, Avimelech gave Abraham the gifts. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. 
Abimelech asked Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves? And he said, you will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand that they may be a witness that I have dug this well. So again, he's wanting peace and reconciliation. And as we go to those who've wronged us and we tell them that we forgive them and that we don't want to do it again, don't put yourself in harm's way. I mean, if the person is, you know, dangerous, then just send them a letter, you know. uh, So use wisdom. Don't get re-abused again. But the goal is for peace, right? Not just for rebuke. The goal is for harmony, harmony between God and man. And so Abraham goes now and just doesn't just tell him he was wrong and tell him he wanted his well back, but he's working to make an everlasting peace between the two of them. And that's what Avimelech came and asked for, that you will not deal falsely with me or my children or my posterity. And so now Abraham is doing basically the same thing. Let's make a covenant together about this. And exchanging the animals or giving of the animals, seven ewe lambs. Therefore he called that place Beersheba because the two of them swore an oath there and they made a covenant at Beersheba. Now this, and the word Beersheba means uh, well of an oath, but interestingly enough, also the word Shiva is the same word for seven. It's used either way. And so it could be a well of seven, he gave him seven lambs, and so that seven perfection type of a symbolism, but also the, the well of the oath. And this is a well in Beersheba, those walls right behind me there are the walls of Beersheba. We're gonna go there on our trip uh, next spring. Uh, so I've already been there, stood there, looked down that well, there's water down at that well. And uh, that is, and it dates back, it could very well be from Abraham's day. Again, this is right at the entrance to Beersheba. You can see the entrance there on the right of the picture as you enter into the gates into Beersheba. And so the well right outside the gate. And there's still water in the bottom of that well. It's been there, continuing to give water again, thousands of years. Avimelech rose with Phihol, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. And so I guess another point is, again, if you need to go and tell someone you forgive them and rebuke them for the wrong, you might need to take someone with you. And not necessarily a bad idea. And if it needs to be the commander of an army, then so be it. Uh, you know, or a police officer or whatever it needs to be. Uh, or it could be some kind of mediator. It could be a minister uh, or a friend that knows you both and, or someone who'd be willing to be there and mediate the peace agreement if necessary. But it's okay to go in strength as you forgive. Again, you don't come as a doormat. I forgive you, go ahead, walk all over me again. No, you come in strength. I forgive you. (laughs) You are the one who wronged me, and I am rising above the situation, and I choose to forgive you, and I want to lift you up from that position as we can make peace on equal ground. Um, And so come in strength. And if you need to bring someone, uh, it's a good idea to do so. And Yeshua said that, right? Go first once time with him, and if he doesn't receive, then you go a second time with someone else, and then even then, take the whole congregation if necessary. Uh, but if it's an abuser situation, 
take someone third party with you. Uh, sometimes just having a listening ear keeps everything calm and peaceful. No one raises their voices that way. Uh, no one gets off topic and accuses each other, brings up other topics that aren't the issue at hand, uh, and keeps to the subject. So having a third party there is very helpful. And then verse 33, Abraham planted a tamarack tree in Beersheba, and there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. And so there, Abraham called on the name of the Lord, praying to the God, God of heaven, and made peace, made peace with Abimelech, and then was able to stay in the land, and there was peace between the two of them. Now that, uh, it says that he planted a tamarack tree there, and over on the left-hand side of the picture, that is a tamarack tree. Yeah. And they've checked the rings of that tree. That tree is 3,500 years old. That tree could be the one that Abraham planted. And if you believe that, I have some land for sale about uh, 30 miles west of here. <laughs> I'll sell you. But, uh, but anyway, it is a tamarack tree that someone planted and put it outside the the city of Beersheba, and, and so it's, it's a nice uh, archaeological site or national park, and so they, they planted a tamarack tree there. Uh, but it is, it is a, a tamarack tree, and Abraham did plant a tamarack tree at Beersheba. And so some of the, that's the story there and some of the application for our own lives. But how about some deeper spiritual meaning to this? Now, a few weeks ago, when we looked at this story of Avimelech and Abraham, we saw that Avimelech, even though he's a literal person, a literal king of Geir, um, of the Philistines, uh, he also, in some ways, in the story that we saw, foreshadowed Avimelech. Avimelech means, anyone remember? Melech is king, Avi, of, father, Avi, my father is king. My father is king, right? And whose father is king? Representing Yeshua. We saw several points where Avi Melech foreshadowed Yeshua, whose father is king. Not that he literally was, he was a literal just king of the Philistines. But in the, the story, he acted out in the way that Yeshua does and foreshadowed him in some ways. Well, how about in this story? Does he continue to do that? Well, we read back in verse 22, Avimelech spoke to Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do. Very similar to what the angel of the Lord came and said to Daniel. The Lord has blessed you. God is with you. Right? God is with you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Right? He's pronouncing a blessing upon him. God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me. Right? And so he's calling out Abraham, asking for a commitment from Abraham that he's going to live right. And he says, swear to me by God. Again, very godly way, very gospel way of putting it. Not swear to me by yourself, but swear to me by God, by God's strength, that you will do this. And be kind back to me as I have been kind to you. Right? And who's kind first? God or us? God. Right? We love God because he first loved us. Right? 
And so Avimelech was first kind to Abraham. Who was the wrong one a chapter ago? Abraham. And yet who was the nice one? Avimelech, right? And so here again he comes, I was kind first. And so God is kind first. God gives to us. Even when we're wrong, loves us, lifts us up. And so here Avimelech comes to lift Abraham up. Rebuked him in the last chapter. And now he's calling him to continue in sanctification in the walk with the Lord. One thing to be forgiven for the past, now how are you going to live into the future? Swear to me by God's grace that you will not deal falsely with me according to the kindness that I have shown you. And so the same with God. God has shown us kindness. I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Thus you will live righteously from now on. For you out of the house of bondage, thus you will live. And so Avimelech says, I've been kind to you. And so now by God's grace, don't deal falsely with me. And how did Abraham respond again? What did he say? I will do it, right? I swear, right? How long did that last? In Abraham's life, we don't have any other story with Avimelech. But Abraham's son, Isaac, We'll see that in a few more chapters. Isaac goes and lies to Abimelech. <laughs> because Abraham said, I swear, <laughs> I will do it. And then say, by God's grace, me and my posterity will do it. We need the Lord to strengthen us and the Lord to see us through and the Lord to keep our garments white.